Hey everyone, it's Ramon and welcome to the Human Optimization Podcast, science-based tools to optimize your physiology, master your mind, and unlock your potential. Now before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Brain First, earth-grown, evidence-based nutrition. One of the products that I love and I take every workday to fire up my brain and get laser-like focus and interflow quickly is Genius Mode. Now, it took me years of research and testing to formulate Genius Mode for Brain First because I was sick of having dozens of bottles and powders to have to mix together all the different ingredients to give me the effect that I wanted. So Genius Mode has the best science-backed ingredients for peak mental performance in meaningful doses supported by experimental data. I personally take it shortly after I wake up and the focus and the drive and the motivation and the mental clarity lasts me all day. Now to get Genius Mode, use code RAMON for 10% off in addition to any other subscription discounts that you get on the BrainFirst website. Just head to mybrainfirst.com and you'll see a bunch of reviews from other people who are absolutely loving this product. mybrainfirst.com, code RAMON for 10% off and get your brain an instant upgrade. Let's get into the episode. Enjoy, my friends. In this episode... Dr. Greg Wells joins me on the show, and we're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, uh, high performance. Uh, Greg, great to have you on the show. Ramon, great to have a chance to talk to you and connect with you, even though it's digitally. It's uh, super great to be on your show. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's really great to, to speak to you again. Uh, so for, for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of a background? Uh, you know, how did you become interested in high performance? Sure. So competitive swimmer growing up and uh, loved it, did reasonably well, uh, broke my neck when I was 15 years old at a training camp, recovered from that, um, got back into swimming, swam all the way through university. Uh, many of my friends made the Olympic team. I didn't, uh, but I had a chance to go to Barcelona Olympics as with CTV. So I had my little Olympic experience, which was super cool. But that sparked my interest in kinesiology. So I took kinesiology in my undergrad, um, graduated from my undergrad, started a company, human performance consulting, taking what I learned from sports, applying it in business, uh, rapidly hit the limits of what I could do with a kin degree. So I went back and did a master's PhD, applied all the sports science that we learned at um, the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto in, in cystic fibrosis and cancer and other things to help use exercise to help kids get better who had chronic disease. Meanwhile, I kept consulting for the Olympic Committee and um, worked with almost 200 Olympic athletes. So I sort of had a dual like um, approach where I was working with athletes a lot, but then also working at the hospital. So it was very extreme. Like either you're winning Olympic medals or you're trying not to die from a chronic illness. Um, those were the people that I worked with. And that informed so much about how I understand human physiology. And all I've been doing since then is just trying to take that information from the extremes and share them with people so we can all benefit from... Uh, this knowledge that we're gaining about how to get healthy, how to improve your performance, how to reach your potential, how to elevate your well-being mentally, physically, emotionally. So it's uh, it's been a wild ride and lots of ups and downs, but pretty cool. And here we are chatting, you know, around the world on a podcast, like just super cool, amazing, fun opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and you've really worked with some of the the highest performing individuals on the planet. Uh, and and with organizations as well so you've really seen this this full range what are some of the what are some of the changes you've seen over the past say couple of decades in this area in this field of uh, let's call it high performance sure probably the you know the biggest one is a shift from high volume as the way to get somewhere to 
a recovery focused mindset. So like eighties and nineties, uh, a lot of the training was focused on volume. Like whoever survived the training was the one who made the Olympic team. Like if you could do all those hours of training and not get injured, not get sick, then you had a great chance of making the team that's changed completely because back then careers were quite short. You know, you'd finish university and maybe compete through 21, 22, 23, maybe 25, like the longest career. Um, and then you'd be out because you'd be tired, injured, burned out. Now things have shifted significantly where the focus is on world-class performance and practice as often as possible. So instead of constantly operating at 70%, we're now trying to get people to operate at like 102% and then back down to like 60 to recover. So we're more concerned about massage therapy, great food, sleep, mindset, meditation, like all these other tactics and tools and strategies that we can use to improve health, to improve well-being, and to improve high performance that you become a 24-hour athlete. And that's also permeating into business and other areas of life. Uh, and so that's the major shift that I think we've seen over the last decades. And I think it's a good one. I think it's super healthy because we're now seeing athletic careers lasting decades and people competing in their, at a high level in their 30s and mm -hmm. even sometimes into their 40s is no longer considered to be unusual. So it's pretty cool that that benefit has occurred and careers are lengthening. Injuries are probably less than they were before. And I think we're in a much, much better place than we were. Yeah. It's, it's something I've, I've also really noticed that didn't really pay much attention to before, but all of a sudden when you, you start seeing these athletes that are, are like, um, you kind of feel that you almost grew up with them and they're still competing. It's just, man, I'm pretty sure at any other time in history that just didn't really happen, did it? In fact, I think, um, I was a mate of mine who sent me this uh, video clip of Tyson yesterday getting into shape for a charity match. Now, you know, you, isn't that you're crazy? A, oh, it's crazy. He's right? looking I mean, seriously fit. <laughs> I would fit not want to get into a ring with that guy, <sighs> even now. No, no way. No, not a chance. And, you know, maybe we can put him into the category of, okay, genetically gifted, freak, um, whatever. Maybe, maybe he's an outlier. But this does seem to be happening more and more across the board. Like I've noticed that in um, football, in tennis, in in some of these other sports. So, you know, how do these how do these guys do it? Clearly, there's a bit of a formula. In fact, let let's let's all get on the same page here because I know for our listeners, one of the things I like I like to do is really uh, define you know what it is that we're talking about here, so that you know we can conceptualize it. People can get a, a really good understanding of exactly what we mean when we say things like high performance. So, uh, and if we're going to continue using that word high performance, let's define it. What does it mean? What is it about? What does it include? What does it exclude? What, what's your take on this? So you know, I used to have a perspective where high performance was like national team type athletes. So your top four or five people in your country, you represent your country, your international level. And that to me was high performance. And my thinking on that's evolved. And I think that my thinking on that's evolved from a moment that I had at the hospital when I just happened to be in a room with a child who was undergoing going chemotherapy for cancer, for leukemia. And I watched that child get up out of bed and that was like the greatest <laughs> accomplishment, uh, you know, and go to the washroom by themselves and then come back out, walk up and down the hall and get back into bed again. And I saw the effort and how hard that was for that kid. And I instantly realized that 
that's a better athletic performance than anything I've ever seen at the Olympic games. I've been to three. Mm. Um, that, so my perspective on what is quote unquote high performance has totally shifted based on that moment to you pushing your own limits and you doing the best that you can at whatever it is that you want to do period. So if it's, you know, you're want to be a great parent, there's, you know, you are trying to do better at that. Great. If you're working and on the side trying to do a triathlon and going from couch potato to finishing your first Olympic distance um, triathlon, that's great because you're pushing the limits. You're, you're near the limits of what you're capable of at any given moment. And while we can learn from the world-class Olympic level athletes or the pros, and we should learn from them because they're just making discoveries and they're figuring stuff out for us. Similarly, we can learn from medicine and we can learn from science of of how to overcome chronic illnesses and those sorts of things. Um, For me, high performance is just any individual reaching their potential and pushing the limits of what they're capable of. So my thinking has shifted significantly, but that's my framework for for how I approach it these days. One of the things uh, I think you've spoken about in the past as well is this idea that um, we can learn so much from the highest performing individuals in the um, you know ath- athletic space, for example. But many people have this idea, oh, well, I'm not an, I'm not an athlete. I'm not going to compete in, an, in the Olympic Games. Why should I be taking advice or, or lessons or, or gaining insights from the training or the approach that these people might take. Yeah, fair enough. It's, a, it's an interesting question. Sorry, go ahead. How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, how, how, how do we – it's a two-part question. How do we know what we should be taking from that, that style of training and the, and the approach and the, and the strategy and everything and what to ignore? And then once we know that – how can we overcome the barrier, the mental barrier with people that says, you know, when they say, I'm not an athlete, I shouldn't be doing anything that they're doing because I'm not going to compete. Got it. Um, well, first of all, like just let's imagine the space program in the United States in the late sixties, you know, that led to computers that led to all sorts of discoveries that, made it made their way into everyday life. Now we all have computers and they started literally in the space program. So, or really at scale, you know, and really advanced, um, in in the space program. So we learned, we, we picked up information and tools and tactics and, uh, strategies from the space program that made their way into everyday life. It might've taken a long time, similarly like cars, um, car companies like Honda build F1 race cars. They do that so that they can learn those learnings, make it into the Honda Civic, (laughs) which Mm. you can get for 200 bucks Mm. a month, right? So like it makes its way down. And so when we're looking at what athletes do, we're learning how to get stronger, get fitter, get more flexible, um, and do that against a background of health at the same time. And some people may want to compete. And if you do, that's great. Sign up for a marathon, do a triathlon, do a 5k, whatever it is that you want to do. That's fantastic. Paddleboard racing doesn't matter. If it sparks you, then it's a wonderful thing. But if you don't want to compete and I totally understand if you don't, 
then it's no big deal. All you're looking to do is live your best life. In which case, what makes you happy? What makes you feel good? What makes you more energy? What makes you feel more energized? What enables you to compete or connect with your friends? Um, you know, going for a bike ride with your friends is great. Going for um, a moment, like a few moments in the park with your family and your kids, amazing. All really good things. So it's it's totally individual. And all we're talking about here is exercise. Is training and not training per se, pushing yourself, but just getting better and healing and being stronger so that you don't hurt or more flexible so you don't get injured or fitter so you have more energy or just more active so your mental health improves or, you know, not depressed because you've learned how to deal with that through food. Like there's so many things that we can do just to make our lives better. And whether you're trying to get on the Olympic team or you're just trying to get off the couch, I truly don't care. And I've, my thinking on that has evolved massively from when I was a young athlete. And I was like, you've got to be an athlete. And if you're not trying to make the Olympics, like what's the point? (laughs) So now I'm just like, I want people to get off the couch, right? Like 85% of Australians and Canadians don't get enough physical activity to prevent a chronic disease. Australia is better than Canada, but not much. Um, like we really just need to start moving. And if we move, we can address so many of these grand challenges the world is faced with sleeplessness, physical inactivity, obesity, um, overweight, depression, anxiety, burnout. So there's lots we can do. And it's the, the solutions that are so accessible to us. And you don't need to do much like 15 minutes of walking a day reduces your risk of breast cancer and colon cancer 24 to 40%. Like um, working out or exercise every day decreases the risk of colds and flus by 75%. It strengthens the immune system. Super important right now in the COVID-19 era. So I don't know. I just think we need to learn from the extremes and then apply it to our lives in any way that makes sense for us individually. Mm-hmm. That's funny you're saying, uh, you know, you, uh, with your approach changing and then back then it was, you know, if you're not trying to make the Olympics, kind of what's the point? Um, yeah. my, my early experiences, cause I started in health and fitness. Uh, I mean, I was always into, to, um, fitness stuff. I, I think I started training martial arts at about five or six years old and was always into, um, you know, doing something, uh, physical activity, that sort of thing. When I actually entered the industry, uh, in my early twenties and started working with people, Something that someone said to me, I can't remember who it was. It was something along, and it was something along the lines of, you know, everyone's an athlete because everyone's got a body. And I think that's a, a mindset that I kind of adopted pretty early on. And I've pretty much trained like an athlete my entire life, but never really competed in anything because it was, for me, it was just a great way of staying injury free, getting stronger, being able to push harder. Uh, alongside the aesthetic goal, but also push harder, like on the mountain bike and and rock climbing and and doing all these sorts of sports without actually competing in them. I think it's probably one of the best kind of approaches that I ever took, without knowing at the time that it was kind of the 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 main principle that I was applying here. Because you know, now going into well, I mean my early forties now. Uh, I think probably the best shape of my life. I'm completely injury free, have been for a long time and I can bring it really hard every day. But the the things that I'm interested in now are very different to the things that I was interested in, you know, 20 years ago. But the benefit of being active and 
training hard and taking care of sleep and nutrition and all of those sorts of things, the crossover to productivity on a day-to-day basis, to being able to utilize um, my attention and uh, for long periods of time and really pay attention and focus on things and be creative and innovative and and you know from first thing in the morning to last thing at night have the energy that I need to apply myself to the things that are important to me. I think ninety nine percent of it comes from all of the athletic based stuff. And I think you know you and I know this. I think most people know this. We know the the benefits of exercise. We know that we should be moving more. But so many of us are still not doing it. And it just, it baffles me. Like, yeah. it's just, it's astounding. So, so what's the problem here? Why are we not doing this stuff? Yeah, so much to dig into there. Like, when you say everyone's an athlete, that's basically Nike's philosophy. Could have been from an ad. Um, <laughs> yeah, from an ad. Who knows? Like, they're so ubiquitous. Um, and then as you're describing, like, the athlete, I'm thinking about a baby learning to walk, right? And, like that's the ultimate athletic achievement. You're going from never walking before, but you're balancing and you're moving and you're, you know, controlling those muscles and eventually you make it happen and you fall and you get back up again. Like that's just being an athlete. Like humans are athletes. We are designed to move. We are better when we move. So, um, that's in, every single thing you're, you've said is right. It's including the fact that we all know that it's good for us, but we don't always do it. And, I think there's a couple thoughts on that one. The first one is like, if you want to, rem- if you want to get more active, I think it's really important to focus on what you love. So my, do- I took my daughter rock climbing a little while ago and I just happened to be filming her, filming her cause she was on auto belay. And so she climbs, you know, she rockets up the wall and she comes back down and she gets to the bottom and she turns around and she looks at me and she's beaming with happiness, right? Just so proud so happy, so energized, eyes lit up. And that's the feeling that exercise gives us. I don't ever remember, well, there's not too many workouts that I've done where I've finished. And I'm like, that was a waste out. Awful. I'm worse now than I was before. Like never really. I can count them on one hand. And when we go for a walk, we feel better. When we go to the park, we feel better. When we go to the beach, we feel better. When we ride our bikes, we feel better. Like when we lift weights, we feel better. When we do yoga, you feel way better. Um, And so the game is for us to try to remember that before it starts. Because before you start exercising, man, you could be tired. You could be sore. You could be like exhausted. You could just feel not good. You can like depressed. Like the last thing in the world you want to do is get up and go for a walk. So a simple rule that I love is the five minute rule. Like if you still don't want to do it after five minutes, you can go back home, but just get up, put on your shoes and walk for five minutes. If you still don't feel like doing it, no stress, get off your shoes and, you know, walk back home or walk back home and take off your shoes. So that, that remembering joy, I think is really key doing the things that you love. Like right now I'm really loving paddleboarding. So I'm out all the time because I love it. It makes me feel good. And I like being out on the water. It's easy for me to get out on the board. Um, harder for me to do dry land workouts, like pushes, pushups, lunges, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm just getting out on the board as much as I can. And that five minute rule is another really good one for people to do. And the other thing is like, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in bettering yourself and getting better physically and mentally. And that's great. And we know that you're going to do it. The fact is that many of your friends 
of who's the people who are listening, you know, they need some help. They need some support. So don't ever be afraid to call someone up and say, Hey, let's go for a walk. Physical distancing respected in this COVID-19 era, which we're still in, in Canada where I am, um, you know, organize a bike ride, organize, um, you know, a bunch of people going out on paddle boards or whatever it happens to be. Like when we help others be more active, it's easy for us to be active too. If you help other people get fit, it's going to get easier for you to get fit, right? So when we build this community around us of people that are into these things, and if you don't have people that are into it, maybe you need to find some people that are into it and change friends, change groups. So I think there's a lot there that you've said that I just wanted to latch on and extract for people. And um, yeah, it's, it's the grand challenge, right? It's like, how do we get active and stay active throughout our entire, entire lives? It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. I think that, that's such a, a great point, which is like start with something that you really enjoy. You know, like, yes, we, we need to have the cardiovascular stuff. Yes, we need to do some strength training for, I mean, it's just good to be strong generally, but, but also as we uh, age uh, and, you know, we lose muscle, obviously we, we want to uh, retain that strength so that we can prevent falls and those sorts of things. So yes, it's great to do all that stuff, but but, you know, finding something that you really enjoy, that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, people keep asking me, oh, why do you keep, you know, you're getting a bit older now. Why do you keep um, doing all this like really high level, high intensity, high volume resistance training every week? I'm like, well, mostly because I enjoy it, you know? Oh, well, you're not going to enter like a competition or anything? I'm like, no. Yeah. I just love training. <laughs> like that's it, you know, and it makes it like – you know, the hard work's done if you really enjoy the thing that you, you're doing, right? Completely. And like, I love being in the gym. Gyms are closed right now, but I love being in the gym. Love it. Spend my whole day there if I could. Um, yeah. Sometimes I don't get to the gym because I forget it, which is really wild. Like, you know, you're working and it's hammering those priorities and there's stuff coming at you and you're like, man, I just got to get this thing done and then it'll be more time, right? But I think that the shift that can help some people is that like, it's just gotta be your number one priority. Like it's gotta be number one, even above your family. Because the reality is unless you're fit, unless you're healthy, you're not going to be there. So it literally is the single most important thing in your life that enables you, as you described so well earlier to do every other aspect of your life, more productive, more focus, more concentration, <laughs> more learning, more, 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 more. And when we do it, we actually gain time back, right? So, yeah. and that's the counterintuitive thing. You're like, oh man, I'm just going to hammer at this project for another hour. I got this. But if you went for a 15 minute walk and came back, you would be so much sharper, so much clearer, so much more focused, which actually leads me to an idea. I played with this about a month ago. I did a one mile run every hour on the hour for eight hours. It's my work day. So like 9am, 10am, 11am, like, and so it took me 10, 15 minutes depending on how fast I was going. And I just finish up, run back upstairs, sit on my desk, jam for 45 minutes at work, top the hour would hit, run back downstairs. And like, it was amazing. I got eight miles of, of running done that day. And I was clear, sharp, focused, energized all day long, not tired. It was so awesome. Actually, I don't know why I haven't done that every day since, but um, yeah. it's kind of cool. Like you can do really interesting things. <laughs> There's a really deep question to figure out, buddy. I just maybe shot myself in the yeah, foot yeah. on that one. But interesting, right? There's all sorts of different things you can do and many different ways to, to get at this. I had, <laughs> it's so funny. I had, um, uh, we're playing around with, uh, with supplement formulations at the moment and uh, I decided to, uh, and you know, not that we even need to go anywhere near the, the evidence for 
things like exercise on improving productivity and mood and all those sorts of things like that. There's, you know, thousands, probably tens of thousands of, of, of studies uh, on this. But I wanted to see what the impact on me was uh, personally when I combined an early morning exercise session, like a really brief one. So I got this, um, you know, this echo bike, the assault bike, Mm. like crossfit bike one of those uh in combination with uh, double cycle that's oh, what i call that thing it's, it's like the worst it's i've got it in my office here it's looking at oh, me taunting me right now it makes me sick just <laughs> thinking about it okay carry on yeah, yeah. so um uh i thought you know i wanted to see what the impact of of this was going to be on my productivity and mood uh in combination and by itself but also in combination with an mct uh oil powder and a high flavanol um, cocoa powder as well. So I designed, I had this single subject design. Uh, so I got through the baseline, um, selected the, the instruments for productivity and, and mood and, uh, energy as well. Some half decent, you know, high reliability, high validity, uh, instruments did the, uh, the first section, right? The baseline then went and did the first intervention, then did the second intervention and the impact that I, and of course, you know, I can't rule out, um, placebo, um, uh, but of course, like at this point, like, I don't really care. I just want to improve my productivity and, and, uh, and energy and mood and, the, and those sorts of things. Um, did the interventions, the, the impact was so good on my productivity and I thought, no, and there's no way I'm going to be able to squeeze extra energy out of the day. Um, you know, normally I do my training in the middle of the day, but, uh, it was so good that I didn't go back and do the baseline again to look at the differences. So I kind of abandoned the experiment and just continued with the early morning session and the MCT oil powder ever since, just because the result was that good. Like, damn, why would I, why would I go back to, to not doing this? Um, if there's a chance that like, you know, it's going to, it's going to um, have a drop in productivity. Super cool. I've been, I've been experimenting with cocoa right now, loving it. Um, coconut milk in the morning, getting off coffee. So right now what I'm doing is, um, mm. coconut milk in the morning and, uh, spirulina, which is vitamin B12 and, and iron, which is really important with some sort of like a banana or some dates or something like that, or blueberries. And, that mixture first thing in the morning, which is full of super great, healthy fats, lots of vitamin B12, iron, a little bit of sugar to fuel the brain, um, has been so spectacular for me and just makes a huge difference in my day. When you add exercise to the morning, you're unstoppable. Yeah. Although I have been alternating between working out in the morning and working out in the afternoons. Um, some reason right now it's easier for me to work out in the afternoon than early in the morning, depending on what I'm doing. Um, so I'm playing with that a little bit more than normal, but yeah, those healthy fats first thing in the morning are just so great. Um, I find it makes a massive difference for my productivity, my performance during the day, the consistency, um, less, um, cravings for food during the rest of the day. Like I eat healthier if I do that in the rest of the day, if I have MCTs first thing in the morning. So yeah, you're, we're definitely onto something with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing is, is not having to, um, you know, because you don't get the, the uh, impact of the blood sugar, um, by having a carb based meal first thing in the morning, you don't have that. Like I don't, uh, have the need to have a meal another two or three hours later because my blood sugar is starting to come down and, and those sorts of things. I don't have to think about, oh, I've got to fit in these extra couple of meals. So just from the time saving perspective, the, the higher fat stuff in the morning is, I think is great. Like it's, it makes such a difference. 
I haven't figured out how to do the strength training in the morning. Like I'd love to be able to get my strength training done in the morning uh, and then, you know, work for the rest of the day. I've tried it over the last couple of decades, so many different ways. I'm ju- I just think I'm one of those people that needs to fuel up first. Um, I've read some research saying that strength is better. Strength coordination and things are a little bit better in the early afternoon. So maybe there's a, you know, that's playing a factor. I was just about to say that. I think there's pretty solid evidence that shows that if you're going to do strength training, you're better off doing strength training in the afternoon. Your body's warmer. Um, the hormone environment's better in the afternoon. I think light cardio is great in the morning. I think after your light cardio, some yoga, some flexibility is amazing just to get yourself ready for the day. Um, but yeah, I think that you're not in a bad place if you're doing your strength training in the afternoon. Yeah. I think the, the only downside is the later it gets, then if I'm, you know, and, and these days, like I'm, I try and run caffeine free cause I've got this genetic variant that means that, uh, I'm not a great metabolizer of caffeine, which is funny cause I'm pretty sure I used to down, you know, 200, 300 milligram pre-workout drinks in my twenties, like it was friggin' water. Yeah. <laughs> but now like super sensitive to caffeine. So if I'm going to have a little bit of caffeine before the workout, like it's not a lot, um, be less than what's in a, in a cup of coffee. But you know, if it's later in the day, um, like I've got to be careful and have a lot less because then, you know, I'm, I can still be wired at like eight, nine o'clock at night. So there's the downside. I have the same uh, genetic variant as you do. So oh, yeah, do you? <laughs> it's devastating because I love espresso. Oh. Um, but I found like I had a lot of work to do in the last three months pivoting to a digital company from the company that I was running before given, you know, everything in the world shut down and I'm not doing any public speaking anytime soon. So, um, get just the volume of work that I, that I wanted to do over the last few months was so high that I used caffeine as a tool, um, and realized you know, last week that I was like, you know, I think I'm drinking a fair bit of coffee right now. And Judith, my wife was like, yeah, you are. I haven't said anything yet, but this is your last bag. We're out. And I was like, oh man. So the last three days I've been doing my caffeine detox and yeah. I've done this before. I used to do it about once a year. Um, but already after three days in, like I was not well for the first two days oh, of the week, which shows the it? power yeah. of the actual drug and how long it takes to get out of your system and my intention now is absolutely to run caffeine free. I know that my energy is more stable and generally higher if I'm not having caffeine. The danger and the um, the addictive nature of it for me personally is that I know that if I do a shot of espresso right before I go on stage to do a speech, it's going to make that speech so much more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got to find other ways of getting getting to that matcha green tea being very interesting for me. Meditation being super interesting for me as a brain stimulant. Um, or just make my brain feel better. So yeah, lots of different things we can do now, I think, to get out of the caffeine addiction to ultimately be healthier and higher performing more consistently. So I'm with you. I'm just very early on in my journey um, into detoxing from caffeine and finding other ways to be more stable and energetic throughout the course of the day. Mm-hmm. And actually, let's let's take this over to the, the office work. Like a lot of our listeners... Uh, knowledge workers, office workers, people that are wanting to perform better. Uh, That's actually one of the things that I suggest is figuring out the caffeine thing. Like, you know, everyone, not everyone, a lot of people have have this idea that, you know, I can down this caffeine on and I'll be able to power through this work. But, um, and maybe you, um, for our listeners, if you have this uh, genetic variant and you're uh, not a great metabolizer of caffeine, 
maybe you're going to be better off without it and have more sustained energy where you have a bit more control over your attention and focus. Um, let, let's talk about some of these things. You, you've got an, an amazing model for uh, helping us reach our potential. Maybe we can unpack some of those uh, ideas and things that people can uh, start to implement and, and bring into their their office and their work day to perform better at the things that are important to them at work. Yeah, sounds great. So where would we start here? Um, so yeah, so that, that's awesome. Like, I think we can consider it like the corporate athlete, right? Like you're just, you're performing at a high level just at your job. And mm. to do that is not easy and it's, it's tiring. Like you need to think about what you're doing. So I would love for all of you just sort of think about like, what does the ultimate day look like? Like what in an ultimate scenario, considering that we're reimagining the future, we don't want to go back to normal. We want to reimagine the future as this lockdown emerges and we can re-enter, reintegrate with life. How do we actually do that? So is that working out in the morning? Like when do you want to get your workout in? Think about that and schedule it and let's make that happen and defend that time for you now moving forwards. And then when do you want to have breakfast? What do you want to be having for breakfast? For me recently, I've discovered high healthy fats, um, some form of dense veggies, some sort of ultra antioxidant fruit, and I'm often running, um, minimize the fruit, maximize the fats, helps me out. A um, couple scoops of vegan protein powder helps me as well. So I'm like firing on all cylinders. I then know I, I've got power work zones, which for me are in the morning because I'm an early riser. But if you're, you know, if you're a night owl, then it's going to be in the afternoon. But I know morning is my spark work time. So I definitely block off two 90 minute blocks of time in the morning to make sure that that's my time for crushing it at my job. Middle of the afternoon, take a bit of a break, um, eat some food, catch up on email, call people if I need to. And in the afternoon, I tend to do phone calls and meetings and those sorts of things just to get through the rest of the day and do, you know, business development or whatever you need to do. End of the day, deconstruct and then super healthy meal at night with my family. Um, so I've, I've mapped out my day pretty detailed as to what I want it to look like. By the way, I've got a PDF called the ultimate day workbook, which I'll send you, um, which you can put in the show notes. If people want to check it out and use it as a, a structure to construct their ultimate day. I'm happy to share that with everybody. Perfect. Um, so yeah, but it is the time now to build that structure. Think about how you want to run your day in the future reimagine what the future looks like and and take radical control of your life. And if you do that, I think now's the time because the slate, ladies and gentlemen, has been wiped clean. Mm, so yeah. we're, we, our habits are no longer our habits anymore. So we can do whatever we want. It's kind of exciting times. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it kind of reminds me actually of a, uh, a time uh, probably about 10 years ago. I call it the whiteboard moment where it was like, right, on. You've got a blank slate. You can map out the rest of your career. Now you've got the time and the space and the support and everything that you need to, to kind of figure this out. And it's going to take a few years, but you know, let's put some things down on the board. Uh, do you operate around a perfect day or maybe it's a perfect week, or maybe you like to do more project stuff and it's, you know, um, week one, it's this project week two, it's this project, or maybe you have certain things on certain days like, what do you want your day, week, or month to look like? What are the sorts of activities that you want to do? What are the sorts of things that you can build into your life? How do you, how do you really want to structure this thing? I think, 
you know, as you said, like now's a really good time to have that without having to, you know, go to the extreme lengths that I did and went, right, I finished with that. I'm going to start a whole new thing based on everything I know, then my values and the things that are important to me and da, da, da. Like let's design this thing and then, and then um, allow some space for it to evolve as well. Like now's a perfect time for people to be able to do that without having to go to the extent of like, oh, okay, I'm going to quit my job and start something new tomorrow, Right. It's, 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 it's such a good time to be able to do that. So uh, what are some of the things that uh, we need to be asking ourselves at a macro and a micro level? Well, let's dive into some of these. So um, where would you start here? Like, let, let's say it's, it's a first step for someone just starting out. They've never had, and they've never sort of thought about, you know, planning out my day and designing my week and all these sorts of things what would be the very first step? Wow, that's such a great question. So I'm going to lean on some training I got from strategic coach and Dan Sullivan a few years ago. And it really leans into the idea of um, your unique ability. So what is your unique ability? What do you do that you're great at that gives you energy? Then there's also stuff that you're very good at. Um, that made, you know, you you enjoy it and you're, you're really good at it. You're better than most other people at it, but it doesn't really give you that massive spark. Then there's stuff that you're, you're competent at, which you can do, but it's draining. And then there's stuff that you're incompetent at. And so for me, um, accounting, I'm incompetent <laughs> at accounting. So I outsource that now relentlessly because I simply won't do it which means then I get into trouble with the government and all sorts of other stuff. Right. But so like that's massively outsourced because I identified I'm truly incompetent at bookkeeping because I just don't like it. It makes, I prefer creativity type type things. Um, so my goal was to spend 80% of my time in unique ability. When I first did the exercise of figuring out every single thing that I do. So the exercise is this, you put, you write out every single thing that you do during the course of the day. And then you, drop them into one of those four boxes, unique ability, very good, competent, and incompetent. And then when I first did this, I realized that, you know, 80% of my time was spent at like incompetent, competent, and very good. And maybe 20% of my time was in unique ability, if that. And I decided to flip it. And it's taken a few years, um, probably about four or five years now, but now I'm probably 80 to 90% unique ability. And I've managed to structure my life in such a way that I don't do much of the other stuff anymore which has led to an explosion of everything wonderful that's happening in my career at the moment. Not to say it's mm. perfect, not to say I'm not still making adjustments and changes or that it's all there and it's all roses, right? But um, that's, that's the first major step is like, what is your unique ability? What do you do that you absolutely love, that you're really, really, really good at that also gives you energy? Once you identify what that is and you start to deliberately take the time to do more of that and less of the other stuff, which means a lot of saying no, which means a lot of managing your priorities, not your time, uh, leaving space in your life so that more unique ability opportunities can be dropped in. So, you know, don't be busy for the sake of being busy. We want to open up space in your life so that positive, amazing, wonderful things can drop in. And that goes for people as well as tasks. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my very, very first thing is think about your unique ability, do a bit of an inventory on everything that you do, categorize all of them, see where you're at now and set some goals for shifting that more towards, you know, what energizes you and makes you happy. Mm. There's a similar thing that, uh, 
that uh, I give my clients, I, I call it an audit. Um, and it came out of when I recognized that there was a whole bunch of stuff that I was doing every day that wasn't progressing me and wasn't progressing the business and was almost completely pointless doing it. But I kind of just felt like I, it needed to be done for whatever reason. And I went through and I was just brutal and put into categories of stuff that I really don't need to do and probably never need to do again because it's not adding any value to my life or anyone else's life. There's that category. And then the other category of, look, this needs to be done. I don't particularly like doing it. Is it possible to outsource that thing? Yeah. And, when I, I, like, and when you go through this and, and you're really honest with yourself, I've, I mean, I think I free, at the time, I think I freed up like three or four hours a day which was just insane. I'm like, oh, I've got this extra time and now I can focus on the stuff that the meaningful work, the stuff that's really important to me. Yeah. And I think it's important for you, for people to do exactly just what you described. Right. And the other thing is to assign a dollar value to your time. Like what is an hour of your time worth to you? Yeah. And if you spent your time doing what you're great at, what would your compensation look like? And that may give you the permission to maybe not do some of the other stuff that you're doing. Because if you do a lot of the things you're great at, you can hire someone who's great at the stuff that you're not good at. You know, mm. I've got someone now who loves bookkeeping. She's a rock star. My books are sparkling and up to date every single day. <laughs> it's amazing because she loves it and it's what she's good at. I hate it. Right. So it's better for me to go do a speech so I can pay her to do what she loves. Like we're both now happy and you can mm. build a little industry around yourself. Like consider that you are your own company. Like you are your own industry. Like you build your capacity and your own support system to enable you to do more of what you love, contribute more to the world. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a work. Like that can be art project that can be playing music on the weekend that could be being a, be, being a great parent, um, being an amazing friend. Like there's so much more to this than just work, but of course it's easy to frame it in terms of work. So yeah, like lean into exactly what you were saying in that exercise you described for your clients sounds totally awesome. What's your favorite practice or your favorite high performance practice? What, what's something that you're really into at the moment? So one of the things that, um, there's a couple things I'm working on a lot right now. One is just like a practice of consistent gratitude. It's so easy to get caught up in what I don't have in what I would love to have of being, you know, comparing yourself to others. And I like, I've got a great life. I'm very, very, very fortunate, but I still practice gratitude. I'm trying to practice gratitude. Like my kids are healthy. My wife still likes me even, you know, we've been confined in the same house for three months, which is a miracle. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I could just, I'm just trying to practice gratitude and I'm trying to do it and help my kids do that as well. So, you know, Adam's into Lego and he's constantly thinking about what's his next Lego set. So I'm like, you just need to focus on what you have, buddy. Like, nice. you know, the millennium Falcons right over here. Let's, we built oh, that man. last week. Let's go play <laughs> with that. And, um, did you, you, got, you got, you, you got the Lego millennium Falcon. I did. It was at that oh. guy. It's such a great week building it with him. So it was far more about me than for him. But anyway, yep. um, so gratitude would be, would be one. And the second thing is, um, surrounding yourself with people who elevate you. And this is a, this is the, uh, another opportune time for you to do a really hard think about 
Who is it in your life that makes your life better? And can you spend more time with those people and less time with those who bring you down or who do not support you? Or, you know, like I think that there's some hard decisions to be made around that both at work in your professional career, it's a bit easier, but also in your personal life, like who are your friends, maybe even some family members that aren't, that aren't elevating you. And of, of course you want to be elevating others as well. So it's basically like, can you build your own dream team? Can you assemble a pe- group of people around you that make you better and support them as well massively so that together you all get better. And there's so much, um, you know, mirror neuron image, uh, mirror neuron research coming out now that just shows that like you, the thinking that, that you get into when you're around certain people, there's mirrors, images that get created inside the brain. And so when we're around people that are positive, when we're around people that are encouraging, when we're around people who are fit, when we're around people who think at a high level that where it rubs off on you. And so that's sort of the second thing is crafting the dream team and just deliberately spending time with the people that I, I want to spend time with given that we've just come out of this pandemic where we're not allowed to spend time with anybody. So the slate's been wiped clean, mm. which also then includes going through your social media feeds. Like who are you following that does not elevate you? Get rid of all of them. You know, who are you connected to on Facebook that is posting stupid stuff that annoys you? Get rid of that. Like just get rid of all of the things that are in your visual, audio, emotional space and let's clean house. Let's do, let's, you know, leverage the media psychology effect to consume media that makes us better. Let's build our own dream teams that we're around people who elevate us and make us better, right? Like that's the game right now. That's what we're trying to do. We've got a great group of people, you know, five of my friends who live close by. And every single time we do a workout, we text each other and that gets us exercising more because we're pretty competitive. You know, we ride together on the weekends, we swim together in the mornings, but we're all constantly encouraging each other and challenging each other to get better. And it has a massive positive effect upon us. So important. Uh, and I think m- many people are going to be missing out on that um, recently, but maybe it's also a great, as you say, it's a great opportunity to uh, to get the things in the right place so that moving forward as we come out of this uh, COVID situation, the, the change is a lot easier to make rather than perhaps having to, you know, have that uncomfortable conversation of, hey, you know, we've been spending time together every day, you know, this past week, but moving forward, we're not we're not going to spend as much time around each other or, or, you know, why aren't you calling me or texting me anymore or why aren't you doing – like I, I can imagine that, it, you know, those sorts of things are very difficult and people don't like confrontation and maybe it's – hard to maybe you try and avoid those conversations or maybe you try and find a way of 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 as uh, I would say putting someone on low rotation um, <laughs> but maybe this is just the great opportunity to you know um, make that uh, make that cut cut that tie yeah and I think that the low rotation is um, a good idea like you only have so much time and we want to be we want to be surrounding ourselves with positivity, with energy, with happiness, with joy, with encouragement, with, you know, all those sorts of things. We don't need negativity. We don't need downers. We don't need like, we we don't need that. So let's go in a different direction. And if you need to have a hard conversation, now's the time. And you know, it may be, maybe a conversation. It may be as simple as unfollowing someone on Instagram. Um, so yeah, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable with doing 
make, make a move. Don't feel like you need to do it all at once. You can make micro moves, um, but you're in control. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I had someone, I did a talk recently in, digitally and someone in the Q and a box said exactly what you just said there. And they were like, well, what if I do this? What if I stop spending time with, with someone and they get really aggressive and attack me? I said, well, then you probably shouldn't be spending time with that person if that's the type of person that they are. And it's worth it to have that quote unquote breakup to get yourself out of having to spend time with someone because you're afraid that they're going to attack you if you're not spending time with them. So this is, this is a tough, this is the tough work. Um, mm. These are the hard decisions. These are the hard conversations that now we have the opportunity to make against a backdrop of an, a readily available excuse of not being able to spend time with people. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've got this excuse built in that we can now just sort of use to decide what we want to do moving forwards with regards to our relationships. Mm. I know that some people, and, and I'm certainly, uh, I certainly fall into this camp of, you know, not wanting to have the hard conversation. Um, and, and maybe that's even because like, okay, I might not want you completely out of my life, but I just, you know, it's toxic to have this much time together given um, what comes out of it and the relationship dynamic, but maybe I don't want to cut you out completely. So maybe it's not necessarily having that hard conversation, but one of the approaches that I've taken to this, which is simply just to fill my life with more of the things that are more important to me and more meaningful to me, therefore I just don't have as much of the time to spend around the people that I want to spend less time with. So rather than cutting out, it's adding more of the things in, which just fills up the space with the stuff that's more important to me and more meaningful. A hundred percent, right? Like, do you want to go to like, let's say you're trying to drink less as an example, and your friends are all going to the bar, but you want to train for a marathon. So that's a conflict. You've got workouts tomorrow morning. So what do you do? You've got to tell everyone, look, I can't go. I'm so sorry. I can't go, but I got workout in the morning and they're going to give you a hard time. They're going to, you know, you're going to get the pictures of them all out at the bar, having a good time. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to be up at five o'clock going for a run as the sun comes up and they're all going to be sleeping, but you're going to be out for a run and you're going to be maybe building a running group of people that you go running with every single morning. Afterwards, you have a coffee or whatever it is, tea, you know, chat, new social group, strong bonds. People are going the same direction as you. People are making sacrifices. People are moving their lives in the direction of being fitter. And not to say you shouldn't like, if you want to go party at the bar with your friends, I certainly have spent much of my life doing that too. Like I'm not immune <laughs> to understanding that that's important as well. Um, so it's, it's just like whatever you want to do, that's what you can do. And it doesn't matter what other people think of what you are going to do because it's your life. It's your it's it's what you want. Therefore, it's okay. Like people are going to break you down and try to tear you down, especially if you're going on a high trajectory, right? If you're getting really great at something and you're leaving people behind, then that's going to be a problem for some people. Um, and they may be better off without you too, to be completely honest and clear, right? Like that yeah, may, you may yeah. have been bringing down the party and they're like, well, thank God he's not here. All he talks about is running marathons, right? So, um, Anyway, so I think that just you do you. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Go in the right direction for you. And don't be afraid about the fact that... Well, actually, no. Do exactly what you just said, which is fill up your life with what you want. 
And when you fill up your life with what you want, your life is going to get better. Yep. And you won't care so much about missing out on the the drinking and those sorts of things because the running and the the running group and the um, the people that you're forming new relationships with is more important to you. So the ju- the judgment and exactly. the text messages. Yeah, you're crafting a yeah, beautiful yeah, life for yourself, right? right? So it's exactly yeah. what you just said. But why don't we give uh, people a bit of a preview of uh, what's in your latest book, uh, Rest, Reach, Focus, Recharge, and some of the uh, the brain states and this idea of speed up to slow down. Uh, what what are some of the things that you'd like to share so we can uh, give them a bit of a preview of of you know, what they can expect when they grab a copy of this. Oh, super cool. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, the book launched in the middle of March, which, you know, probably the worst time in, in the last 50 years to launch a book, <laughs> just as every single bookshop, the entire world shut down. So I really appreciate bringing it up. Um, so the new book was written basically around the idea of slowing down to speed up, getting some rest to recharge so that you can really unleash your talents upon the world. So I looked at the brain and how the brain functions. And we identified that there's really five states of existence that we can get into, all of which are correlated with specific brainwave patterns. If you suck electrodes over the brain, you can actually measure these different states. They are actually scientifically valid. So we've got sleep, which is delta brainwave states. That's your recharge zones. We talk a lot about sleep and re-energizing. The next level up from that, a little bit more active is theta brainwave states. We're creative and we problem solve. We figure out new solutions. So we talk about theta brainwave states and how to get into theta states. Then we have alpha states, which is when you learn your strategic thinking, it's um, reflection and how you can see the bigger picture, get really good perspective on, on life. Then of course there's beta mode when you're hustle, focus, perform like you and I are doing right now. And we talk about gamma, which is peak experience when you're basically in a flow state, but you're in a flow state doing something that has meaning for you and impact. So you truly experience life at the absolute highest possible level. Um, so we just lead people through what those states are, how to enter into them. And it's all built around you know, of just really giving yourself permission to relax. So um, for example, if you, if you relax, that sets the stage for getting into alpha brainwave states when you can actually learn. If you relax even more deeply, you enter into theta when you're creative. If you relax even more deeply, you fall asleep and you recover and regenerate and recharge. So if we're constantly in this hustle, 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 go, 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 burnout state, we can get stuff done and that's fine. But really it's, we're missing out on a significant chunk of our lives where we can be creative, we can problem solve, we can learn things, we can experience life differently. And I really just want everyone to have the greatest possible life. So I wanted to put some structure around slowing down in order to speed up and uh, help people get healthier and to reach their potential. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some really fantastic, um, like the overall approach I love. There's some, there's some really good strategies in there and some techniques and, and things that people can do. Um, and, you know, one of the, the ideas behind Brain First is, of course, to apply this stuff. Like it's all, all great to have the theory and the science and everything, but we need the practical application. Like we need ways of being able to get out there and and put this stuff into action. Uh, and guys, you want to grab a copy. If you have any interest in performing better as a human being in any area of your life, grab a copy of this book uh, because it will give you the, the roadmap uh, to be able to do that. So what, where's the best place for people to grab this on Amazon or to your website or where should we, 
Where yeah, Amazon's wor- um, going to work. It's on um, Amazon around the world. So if there's an Amazon site in Australia, we'll have it. Uh, Amazon.com has it as well. And we'll ship around the planet as well. You can also check, my, check out my website at Dr. Greg Wells. Or, that's on my social. My website is drgregwells.com and there's links to the book on the website as well. Perfect. Well, we'll put some of those links in the, in the show notes. Uh, Greg, any final thoughts? Oh man, just loved speaking to you. Uh, really love what you're doing. Thank you so much for everything you're putting out into the world. We need it so badly. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out and chat and communicate, I'd be thrilled to communicate. We're in an era of physical distancing. So anything we could do, so you know, digitally connecting, I would be super thrilled to do it. So thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and I look forward to uh, talking to you again. Right on. Sounds good. See you soon. So that's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, drop a five-star review, and of course, you can connect with me on social with the links in the description. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.